Today on CityCast Boise, last year, about 1,500 Idaho women were diagnosed with breast cancer. My friend Janessa White was one of them. Today, she's sharing how Boise stepped up to support her after she was diagnosed. Plus, why I flipped off rush hour traffic on Orchard. It's Monday, January 22nd. I'm Frankie Barnhill, and this is what Boise's talking about. Janessa, so good to have you on CityCast Boise. Thanks for being here. Hi, Frankie. Thanks for having me. Yes, and full disclosure to uh, everyone listening, Janessa is a friend. Um, Janessa is one of my closest friends in Boise, in fact. Um, And yeah, I wanted to catch up with you and just ask kind of, how are you feeling right now? How are you feeling uh, as you progress through your cancer treatment? Uh, At this exact moment, I'm feeling pretty dang good. It's a new year and a new me, and I'm excited about that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, 2024. Oh, my gosh. Um, It's honestly crazy to think back on what you've gone through, what you went through in 2023. Um, Where are you in the stage of your treatment? Uh, So currently, I am undergoing something called targeted therapy, Um, And I'm done with my intensive treatment. So just to kind of outline that intensive treatment for me, and it's different for everybody, included surgery. I had a lumpectomy. I was diagnosed with um, breast cancer stage 1B. So they removed the lump with some lymph nodes. And then I underwent um, IVF uh, for egg preservation. Then I went underwent five months of chemotherapy. It's called TCHP, and it's just the the type of chemos that they administered to me. Uh, And then I underwent six weeks of radiation. And so all of that is behind me. And now I'm on to something called targeted therapy, which uh, targets something called HER2, which essentially just helps the cancer spread through the body. So we're trying to kill those um, HER2s. And then I'm um, going to be on a regimen of hormone blockers for the next five to 10 years. Okay. Uh, um, I'm so proud of you. just need to say that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay. Take, take me back to last year when you found a lump on your breast that wasn't there before. Is that how it started? Yeah. So it was November of 2022, and I was actually house-sitting in Costa Rica, and I found a lump And I asked some girlfriends about it, and everybody said that was pretty normal. It was probably a cyst or something to that degree, and to just keep an eye on it. So from November until February, uh, I watched it pretty closely, and it didn't go away, and it did grow. Mm. So um, being a pretty proactive person about my health, uh, I went into my gynecologist, and she said, well, you can get an ultrasound if you want to. You're pretty young, so I'm not sure that you know, it would be cancer. But I was supposed to go uh, back to Costa Rica for six months starting mid-April. And I was like, you know, I don't want to be abroad and be worrying about this. So I scheduled a mammogram uh, and an ultrasound. And, you know, I've learned, uh, listen to what a doctor does, not what they say. Mm. Because the doctor said, I'm not particularly concerned. But then he scheduled me for a biopsy on Wednesday and expedited the results for Friday because I was supposed to leave on that Saturday for Costa Rica for six months. So got the biopsy, and then I received my results 24 hours before I was supposed to depart for Costa Rica that I did indeed have 
invasive ductal carcinoma. I think they originally gave me a stage one. Um, So I guess the really great news is I caught it really early. Yeah. And you were so proactive. I mean, I remember you telling me, hey, I'm going to the the doctor and I'm going to get a scan. I want to just cross this off the list and say I don't need to think about it. Um, How easy was it for you once you were diagnosed, which um, was intense, I'm sure, um, an intense experience, what, how easy was it for you to find a team of doctors uh, in Boise to take care of you? Yeah, so this was probably the first instance of my community like rising up and supporting me. Um, everyone just kind of ignited to help find me the best treatment team um, that I could. And I did do a lot of research. I talked to other clinics. I heard a lot about MD Anderson in Houston. So I did a lot of research. I did interviews. But ultimately, I just kept hearing over and over and over again how amazing the Cancer Institute at St. Luke's is. Um, I heard amazing things about the surgeons and the chemo ward. And so um, as I started talking to people, that was just the, the the direction I decided to go was to stay local instead of go abroad. Not even a little bit. Any general or specific tips about how you found the right care besides the fact that your community helped you helped you and you you know heard uh, you got advice from people in town about which doctors to see and who to talk with. Anything else you want to share? There are places online that you can like find reviews um, and find uh, other. Feedback. So I, I think that's a good resource. I also think the best resource is if you're able to like find other people that have gone through that specific like type of cancer in that specific treatment center, because there's really no one that's going to be able to tell you what the the cancer treatment's like unless it's you know specific to you. Um, like I imagine someone that has prostate cancer is going to be very different from someone that has breast cancer. Um, so that was another way that my community really helped out in the very, very early days. I talked to several women who had gotten treatment locally, who had gone through what I was about to go through. And um, yeah, that doesn't not only just like salve you from a person to person standpoint and this thing that is a really scary process to go through. Um, and I will be quite frank, the the scariest part to me was in the beginning, like mm. all the unknowns. Um, yeah. And and so it really helped me to talk to other women that have gotten past it and had the opportunity to like reflect back and think on it because um, I don't think, like I, I, I experienced a sensation where I think I was in extreme shock and I felt like my heart kind of blocked off from my head. I, I wasn't very emotional through most of my treatment. I think that my body was in survival mode and just like, let's get through. Um, And so to talk to someone who can understand what you're going through and kind of like soothe, um, but also like reassure you that the program you're going into is a really good one, that helped a lot. Mm. I could imagine even just little things about Boise. Uh, hey, it's not that hard to get to downtown to St. Luke's for you. <laughs> like it's uh, commutes aren't long and you can find parking and um, your family lives in Boise. Your friends live in Boise. Yeah. I'm sure all those little things like really mattered um, when it came down to it. Insanely mattered. Like I can't even express to you how all those little things added up to be really meaningful to me. My mom was my caretaker. Like bless her heart. Uh, so every time I went through chemo, she would stay with me for a few nights and be my caretaker. Yeah. Wow. 
Okay, I want to pivot to a little bit more specifics about community support and yeah. specifically your friends, uh, who <laughs> I get to count myself yes, um, you in do. that group. Yes, you do. Um, okay, before you started treatment, before you had your surgery, you did something epic and you went big, which is your kind of your MO, Janessa, <laughs> um, as someone has known you over the years. Your birthday um, was in late April, um, right before you were going to get your surgery or pretty soon. And yeah. you had, you threw a great party at Wild Plum, uh -huh. um, on Orchard. And it was just like the most amazing food, uh, great wine, all these friends and family members, like your grandma was there, like yeah. people from all different circles in your, in your world. Um, and, I remember that so vividly because it was like you were marking territory. You were like, okay, I'm starting this thing and I'm going to vanquish it, obviously. And I'm going to have these amazing people around me in Boise supporting me as we go. What was that night like for you? Yeah, um, it was necessary. I think, I think one of the biggest things I took away from all this, Frankie, is like, you can give so much to your community, but you have to have moments where you let your community give back. And that was like a real declaration of all my friends and family that they they got me through all this. And it was really such a, a tender party. I mean, it was my birthday. <laughs> so I was diagnosed <laughs> yeah. on April 14th and my birthday was April 26th. And so, you know, I, and I was supposed to be gone. I was supposed to be in Costa Rica. Uh, so... Tara of Wild Plum is a really good friend of mine, and, you know, she really wanted to throw this party. And so, yeah, I think about 30, 35 people showed up, and everyone was just like, you got this, and we're here for you, and you let us you let us take care of you for a bit. And it was so meaningful. And I know that one of your favorite moments is um, I brought everyone together, and we all flipped off the camera. <laughs> So 30, 35 people smiling and flipping yeah. off the camera. It was a special moment. Yeah, we took a, took a group photo uh, on the steps of Wild Plum facing Orchard. I think it was like during like like tra like lots of traffic was going <laughs> by. So I'm sure anyone who was driving by was like, what are those people? They were like smiling and laughing maniacally. Um, and we'll learn we'll earn our uh, explicit uh, warning today because, yeah, we were all yelling fuck cancer to the camera <laughs> over and over again, Yeah, <laughs> including your sweet grandmother, which was very, very funny to me. I loved it so much. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Boise and your connection to Boise's nature and the natural elements of the city. Um, you before before you were diagnosed, you I would I would hear from you like, yeah, I'm going for a hike in the foothills. And you'd be like out there for like, you know, four hours just going, going, going. Um, and uh, really, the foothills I know are a special place for you. And whenever you kind of need to reset, that's how you did it. But once you started chemo and treatment, I know that wasn't really as possible. Um, so what did, what did you do instead? What did you miss uh, about, about not being able to connect with nature in the same way? Uh, I missed all of it. I, I think everyone has a different reaction to chemo. But for me, I was pretty leveled for weeks at a time after each chemo. So I did six infusions. Um, every three weeks. So it'd be like two weeks down, one week feeling semi-normal, and then I'd do it all over again. Um, so even like walking up and down the stairs in my house was challenging. Uh, the biggest thing I noticed with myself is um, there's something called hemoglobins, which is responsible for the oxygen in your blood. 
And I felt like I had zero hemoglobins. Like I, I couldn't breathe when I was doing any activity. Um, so I not only couldn't go out in like nature or go to hot yoga, like I usually went to, it was hard for me to even like walk around the block. And that was kind of my mom. And I was like, challenge is like, if you can just walk up and down the street, you know, once a day, that's a great day. I could just do that one thing. And most days I couldn't. Uh, most days I was just in bed all day. So I'd say that was probably like the hardest part for me. I'm a big doer. I own a business. I did take a six month sabbatical for my treatment. I was so fortunate to be able to do that. Uh, and so like not being able to do anything, I'm, I'm talking about like, it was even hard to read a book, like anything. It was devastating. Your brain isn't changed. Your idea of yourself isn't changed you know what you're capable of achieving in the course of a day. And that's kind of how I measured my days. Like how much can I achieve in one day? And uh, to have to go to the opposite end of the spectrum was really, really challenging. One thing I know you spent some time on, uh, which I appreciated because I love scrolling TikTok, um, was you got really into (laughs) making TikTok videos through your chemo treatment and like some silly dancing videos with your IV connected to you at the clinic and stuff like that. Yeah, I uh, so that was a big thing. When I first got diagnosed, one of my first questions was, are there support groups in Boise that I can access? And there really wasn't. And I was really surprised at that. I mean, Hmm. you just gave me a stat. There's 1,500 women in um, Idaho that have been diagnosed in 2023 alone. That's not to mention women that have been diagnosed prior. And you would think we'd all want to band together and help each other out. And so when I was told that, I was like, you know, I think I need to look elsewhere. I think this is a really important part for me. So I took it to TikTok. And I just started making like very vulnerable videos about the shock I was in, the feelings I was having, the the worry, the concern, the stress, the anxiety, whatever. And um, and the response was bountiful. I'm not saying I went like crazy viral on TikTok or anything, but I have connected with so many women that have gone through what I've gone through historically, or I... I even went like met women going through exactly what I was going through at the exact same time. Like I even had a lady wow. that started radiation and finished radiation on the same days that I did. Um, so to be able to lift each other up, give each other tips, support each other, just check in on each other. Um, I'm telling you, Frankie, from a communal standpoint, from the people in Boise to my family to you and and your husband to the people on socials, I always felt re- like so much love and support and never had a lack of that. So I was really glad I took it to TikTok. I would encourage anyone, you don't have to post videos, you don't have to be vulnerable, but go find other women that are going through what you're going through. Go find other women that are posting so you can support each other. Or I'm not on Facebook. I heard so much about like Facebook support groups. Okay. Okay, good. That's, those are great resources. Um what surprised you through this experience? I'm sure there were a, a number of things, but anything that stands out? I think the first thing that surprised me is how much, this is going to sound strange, how much I enjoyed my treatment at the Cancer Institute at St. Luke's. Every single person that participated in my treatment was absolutely lovely. Uh, from the the nurses to the doctors to the people that take your lunch order, everyone like genuinely felt, I felt 
for me was like invested in my treatment and invested in me having the best possible experience that I could during this really hard thing. Um, you know, you ring the bell when you finish chemo and you ring the bell when you finish radiation. And I got so many hugs and so much celebration and it, and it felt really, really genuine. Um, so I think that's the first thing that really surprised me. The second thing that surprised me is, um, I don't want to get too woo woo. And I don't know if you need to post (laughs) this, but I do think there were like a lot of spiritual elements to me getting diagnosed with cancer and going through this. And I definitely feel I've come out like a changed person. I feel so much gratitude. Like I think when you're leveled to the way I was and you don't even have energy to walk up and down the stairs, like to have the energy to go for a walk on the green belt or to go do hot yoga or to work on my business. Like I went out for New Year's Eve and sang karaoke till 3 a.m. Like to have energy to do those things uh, is such a gift. Anything else you would tell someone uh, in Boise who's just been diagnosed or or tell their loved ones? What should people know? Uh, I think my first tip for anyone undergoing any medical issue is And you hear this a lot, like advocate for yourself, but advocate for yourself in a respectful way. When I was diagnosed, they told me that I had um, miracle growth for cancer. So I was estrogen, progesterone, and HER2 positive. And yet they really pushed my treatment out and it was taking a long time to get things locked in. And so I was very proactive about calling, scheduling, emailing, following up. And because I was so proactive about my own care, they slid me in when there were cancellations constantly. And so I got bumped up a lot because I was just so, I was such a bug in their ear, you know? (laughs) The next thing I would encourage is I think a slippery slope is to go down the path of like, why me? And I think there's like a good time and place for that, like maybe with your therapist or with your friends and family. But I think it's a slippery slope to like fall into it and to stay there. Um, And I think that a Better reframing is like, here's another expletive, shit happens mm-hmm. and and it happens to all of us and you don't get to choose what you do or don't get diagnosed with. You get to choose how you handle it. And so um, finding ways to be grateful for the people that support you and be grateful that we have the technology to treat stuff like this, um, you know, and just find like the little pieces of happiness in your everyday, I think is... Um, really, really paramount for a person's treatment. Janessa, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience. This has been great, inspiring. You just amaze me every day. And I'm so grateful that I get to call you my friend. Me too, Frankie. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for listening to CityCast Boise. If you dig us, please share the podcast with all your best friends. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more local stories from around the city. See you then.